And welcome back to another edition of the Twins Wrap with Dick Bramer, brought to you by Jefferson Lions. I am Derek Hansen, and I was a little worried there that we'd be talking about some bad news, uh, five losses in a row, but they rebound Eddie Rosario with a grand slam last night, so a much better mood for me anyway. I'm sure for you too. Yeah, it was, um, you know, kind of came out of nowhere, that four-game losing streak, because the team right prior to that had won six in a row. But uh, as they did last year, they were able to keep uh, any losing streak from uh, expanding uh, in the shortened season into one that could really, uh, you know, keep them from getting to the postseason. And a uh, nice ball game last night. Randy Dobnak, you know, where would the Twins be without him? He's been outstanding, and he stepped up and uh, gave the Twins a really good start last night. Yeah, what a story. you got to think, you know, being a little bit seasoned after what he went through in the uh, big Yankees playoff game, even though it didn't work out for him, having that experience, I mean, going and pitching in front of all your teammates in opposition, that's all he's worried about as far as the pressure is concerned. I, I don't think there's anything that uh, would make you think that that didn't help him a little bit. No, he, uh, you know, he's already experienced an awful lot, given the fact that his call-up was just over a year ago, and uh, he and Kenta Maeda have been, uh, A, taking their turn in the rotation every time. But, you know, you look at what's happened uh, around uh, them in the Twins rotation. Barrios has struggled. A lot of the other guys have gotten hurt. And uh, that this Twins team is in first place is due largely to those two guys in the rotation. I got to think that uh, you look at a situation with Jake Odorizzi, didn't have as, you know, certainly the Audi he wanted to kick off the 2020 season. But, you know, honestly, let's think about it. Uh, he he's the type of guy who can rebound from something like that, right? I mean, I think I'm not as worried about him for the long term. No, it's, you know, uh, it's a stepping stone. His first outing was, and, uh, you know, he'll keep taking those. Uh, he said afterward that he physically felt fine, but he is where a lot of the Twins hitters are. They're trying to catch up. And I wouldn't expect that he'll be razor sharp uh, in his next start either. But uh, it's all part of the process to get him to where he was last year. And, you know, with the expanded playoff format and, and all of that, you know, I think what uh, the Twins have done here, uh, playing it very cautiously with their starting pitching, the idea is, you know, come September or certainly by mid-September that, uh, you know, everything's uh, full, you know, steam ahead and these guys will be healthy and sharp. And then about that time they'll get uh, Michael Pineda and he'll start the process of trying to get caught up as well. So it's it's going to be an interesting uh, dash to the uh, postseason in the hopes that the Twins get there. That's interesting. You mentioned Big Mike there. I, I did now with everything that was going on. I thought he was gone for most of the season. I didn't realize he would be able to come back here. Yeah, he's got to wait out the suspension, and then uh, it'll be uh, certainly a fresh arm, but it'll also be a little bit rusty and dusty too. He's been uh, doing bullpens and trying to stay sharp. Uh, you know, in a normal season, you'd, you'd, you'd think it a blessing to have a fresh arm, uh, almost like you traded for that fresh arm uh, after the trade deadline. But in this case, Pineda is going to be, you know, where Oda Rizzi was in his last start. And it'll take him, I suspect, a little while to get sharp, too. But, uh, you know, if, if you believe, as most people do, that the Twins will be in the postseason, what their starting rotation is going to look like, who it includes and who it excludes, is really going to be, you know, an interesting topic for debate. 
Yeah, no question. Hopefully they can get everyone healthy here because it would be nice to have who actually looked pretty good in his first outing, Homer Bailey back, and you know with uh, everything that t- took place with Rich Hill, he looked pretty good in his first outing. It would be nice. And, of course, the Twins got to go with a opener situation with Tyler Clippert again tonight. Yeah, we've uh, done some research on that since the Twins uh, joined uh, the teams that were uh, you know employing an opener. Their winning percentage is right on par with uh, their overall record over the last uh, year uh, plus going back to the start of 2019. So, you know, it, it, as much as a traditionalist might not like it, uh, the concept does work. It's worked for the Twins when you uh, win, you know, 10 out of 16 games uh, using an opener. Uh, you know, what would you be doing if you ran a number five starter out there instead? Probably not that good. And for fans who, um, you know, don't like the concept, uh, it's, it's worth a reminder, I suppose. You know, the, the turning point of the season last year was that doubleheader in Cleveland in mid-September. And the Twins used an opener in each of those games uh, and won both games. Now, one of the opens by uh, Lewis Thorpe wasn't very good. They came back and won the game late. But it, the concept works, and that's why more and more teams are adopting it. Are you concerned about Thorpe? Because you mentioned that. I mean, he he looked like a guy who was going to be pretty steady there for a while, I think late August last year. But, boy, he wasn't very good on Saturday. He had that situation we don't really talk about a lot where he just kind of left camp back with, you know, before the COVID crisis in March and came back a couple days later. Where do you think he's at with this organization right now? Well, I think the level of concern is is centered around the fact that he's lost some velocity, and he was kind of on the low end velocity wise uh, anyway. So uh, they're they're looking at video, trying to you know figure out you know his mechanics, whether there's something mechanically he's doing wrong that has taken a couple miles per hour off his fastball. Uh, you know, guys who pitch who top out uh, ninety ninety two. Uh, if they lose a couple miles per hour, well, then it's really noticeable, and, and, and you get the results that Lewis has gotten so far. So I suspect there's a real good chance we'll see him tonight uh, after Tyler Clifford starts and, uh, in some capacity for an inning or two in the hopes that, uh, A, the velocity is returned, and then, um, you know, secondly, that, uh, you know, his effectiveness will return as well. Let's uh, switch to the hitting. You know, I think it goes back to the basketball adage and all those years that you uh, covered go for basketball, which you do feature in your book, by the way, <laughs> with a game used. Talk a little bit about those days. But it, it's, uh, you know, you always say if you live by the three, you die by the three, right? And that can maybe go with home runs with the Minnesota Twins. And if they don't get them, it doesn't seem like it works out very well for them. I think Nelson Cruz shows that extra base hits certainly can work out for you if you have to go the other way or whatever. But does that concern you at all, the fact that they seem a little bit of a one-trick pony when it comes to their offense? Well, I think within that, uh, though, the biggest concern for me is uh, they're you know, a bunch of hitters that are very pull conscious. Uh, now, that's the trend in baseball. We saw it uh, in the ball game last night when you know, Keston Hira you know, reached across the plate on a pitch that was four, six inches outside and hooked a home run to left field. So, I mean, it's not just the twins hitters who are doing that. That's the way uh, hitting has evolved in in 2020. But when you see Nelson Cruz uh, pick up, you know, all the hits and runs batted in that he has to the opposite field, uh, some of us, including me, wish that, you know, people on the bench maybe would pay closer attention to that. 
the old adage, if you only use half the field, you're only going to get half as many hits. Well, sometimes uh, that, that's, that's uh, very true. And so as we see Miguel Sano, for instance, really struggle, uh, part of it is because, you know, he's not really using the opposite field. Byron Buxton isn't either. And, uh, you know, that's kind of the state of uh, hitting in 2020. And uh, sometimes you wonder whether it might not be a bad idea to take a step back and, uh, you know, get the view that we get from behind home plate. You get to see, well, the right side of the infield is open and there's a lot of room in the outfield to the opposite field. Why don't we try to hit the ball over there and see what happens? Oh, for yeah, and I just don't understand it. And I thought uh, Arcia did a very good job the other night, right? And I don't know why they're playing him to pull. He doesn't seem like that much of a pull hitter. He likes to use all uh, different sides of the field. But I just think, I thought that was a little strange, just kind of looking how they so many players like to do that. And if hey, if they're going to play that way, I'm going to try to shoot it down the third baseline. Well, you look at um, you know or who who are the the Twins hitters that are doing really well. Well, you got Marwin Gonzalez and he's hitting about 300. Nelson Cruz is hitting about 350 and and they do use the whole field. The the, the fact that they're uh hitting as well as they're hitting in terms of batting average, that's that's not by accident. And you know, you look across baseball though, Derek, and we mentioned it last night on the telecast. Uh, going into yesterday's play, baseball, Major League Baseball, all 30 teams, they're hitting 230 which is by far the lowest uh, uh, team, you know, overall batting average baseball has seen. And and so, again, it's not just, uh, uh, you know, guys wearing the Twins uniform. A lot of people in baseball, uh, a lot of hitters are just very focused on trying to pull the ball to try to pull it over the fence or down the line for a double. And uh, you got to take the bad with the good, and, and that's going to result in a lower team batting average. And I meant Arise, not Arcia. Sorry, <laughs> the right, eight right, names, yeah. but Arise did a nice job of us playing it the other way when they were playing him to pull for whatever reason. But you know, Arise is kind of known for doing that. I was a little surprised that they were playing him that way the other night. And I guess along with that, Tom Kelly, you know, he almost got criticized for wanting guys to take it to the opposite field too much. This must, this type of baseball must be driving the former Twins manager crazy. <laughs> well, just just look at it. From from the you know point of you know the increased velocity in the game, you know pitchers are throwing harder than they ever have before, and if somebody can throw 97 miles per hour, uh, necessarily if you want to pull the ball, you really got to start your swing earlier, uh, and that leads to a lot of bad habits. So in this era where you know baseballs are being thrown faster than they ever have before, the idea of letting the ball carry a little bit. And hitting the ball to the opposite field is probably more valid now than it's ever been in the game, and it's being used less and less. So uh, the, the the guys who you know look now as we move forward, the people who are going to be winning uh, winning batting titles and all that, they'll be the hitters who you know can use the whole field. Christian Yelich for the Brewers is a perfect example. Uh, you know you don't dare shift him uh, because you know we've seen him go you know gap to gap, left center to right center. So. Uh, it, it's probably the state of affairs and hitting right now is, is if, if you don't like the way it's going right now, uh, the cure is probably right in front of our eyes. It's just that so many hitters are uh, incapable or unwilling to you know hit the ball to the opposite field. Do you think this is a fad? You know, I know that the, many of the analytics are saying this is the route to go right now, but you got to think. It's almost like modern medicine where the opinions change all the time, right? Where do you think this will kind of be the case? It seems like that happens a lot in sports. 
Well, it's true in every sport. Uh, you mentioned or referenced, you know, the NBA and, a, you know, or basketball being kind of a three-point game right now. You know, the philosophy now in baseball is, look, uh, you can hit all the singles you want, but it's going to take three of them to score a run, right? Or you can just try to hit one home run. One swing can get you just as many points, if you will, as three singles. Uh, and then within that, of course, you get all the strikeouts and all that. So we'll, it, it certainly will change again. Uh, I asked Rocco Baldelli yesterday on a Zoom call about how, you know, hitting has changed and just since he played 10 years ago. And he says, yeah, it, it's amazing how drastically the art of hitting has changed because the art of pitching has changed. You know, now you've got pitchers who are taught, uh, coached, to pitch upstairs with a fastball. Well, that, that never used to be the case because no. the theory was if the ball is already elevated, it's easy to hit the ball out of the ballpark. So, yeah, these things all evolve. Pitching evolves, hitting evolves, and, and uh, you know, it's, it's an ongoing process. Whenever you start to think you've got something figured out, something within the game will change, and then you've got to figure it all out over again. So uh, it'll be interesting to watch. You know, it's interesting you say that because you got to think about some of the greatest ever. I mean, Greg Maddox, and the guy who wasn't as good as him but still good at changing speeds, Brad Racky with pinpoint accuracy, there's got to be a, you know, a place in this game for the guys like that. Yeah, I mean, I think we see it on the, on the twin staff. You know, you know, there's there's some guys who throw really hard on the twins' uh, uh, pitching uh, staff, both in the rotation and in the bullpen. But the guys who really had success uh, are the guys who can pinpoint the ball, like Randy Dobnak. You know, uh, Kenta Maeda can throw ninety three, ninety four, but his effectiveness is on his off speed stuff and his ability to locate. You know, a uh, you know, good friend of mine, guy who used to pitch for the Twins, Dave Goltz, uh, you know, lives in the Fergus Falls still, uh, a Minnesota native. I asked him once when we were in, a, in the boat together, I said, how hard did you throw? And he said, you know, I, I don't know. I, I threw as hard as I needed to because Dave was like so many pitchers of his era. Uh, he got you out and struck you out with location rather than velocity. Yeah, it's amazing. And, of course, we run into Dave all the time. People just don't know it. <laughs> he, he's, pretty, he's pretty just a common upper Midwest guy, and he might be walking through yeah, any store. Yeah, he fits in pretty well, doesn't he? <laughs> he does. Uh, certainly a great guy, too. Uh, run into him often quite a bit. And you, you just kind of walk by. You don't really know. It's kind of like Matt Cullen around here. You can imagine. He just walks around with his family, and no one really notices right away. He's got a baseball cap on. That's certainly sums up Dave Goltz. That is for sure. Uh, Brewers tonight and tomorrow night, and then a day off, and then – uh, against those pesky Royals again at Target Field, and it's uh, amazing. I think a lot of us fans are looking. Oh boy, we got the Royals and Pirates here for you know, and and the Brewers for a bunch of games. And boy, be careful what you wish for with the with the Royals. I mean, this is an organization that's going to kind of take their lumps and then rebuild and then take their lumps the way it looks like. And they uh, looked a little bit like the Royals teams that went to the World Series in back to back years. The Twins ran into a very good bullpen, and uh, you know we saw how important it is. Uh, regardless of who you play, how important it is to have a lead uh, through the middle innings because then you can set up your bullpen. The Royals and Mike Matheny did that masterfully in Kansas City. What I'm going to be very curious to watch is uh, the game in that series that Jose Barrios is going to pitch. He didn't look like himself at all against the Royals. He didn't have his breaking ball. Uh, He got through five innings, but it was a struggle. And he just didn't look like himself. And now he'll have another start against Kansas City. So I'll be curious uh, in the hopes that uh, that break will have returned for him. 
because the Twins are really going to need him to be on top of his game here as we you know move along. We're just got what six weeks left in the regular season, and so you know the Twins are really going to lean on uh, uh, Barrios that they saw in 2019, not the one that has been on the mound so far in 2020. Yeah, I guess we can wrap up talking about him a little bit because, you know, I guess it is like, what, two or three years now we've kind of wanted him to be the guy, right, to be the stopper, to be the ace of the staff, and he still has a little ways to go to be that guy. Yeah, uh, something was amiss, and I'm not claiming that he was hurt or whatever. It might have been just an off day, but, you know, we're used to seeing that 18-inch breaking ball, you know, come out of his right hand. And that wasn't there for him. So I'm sure it's something uh, he's uh, been working on, uh, you know, bullpen, you know, to get ready for his next start. I'm sure they've looked at video and all that to try to figure out what the issue was. The velocity was there, so you wouldn't think that, you know, physically there's an issue. But maybe just uh, his mechanics were out of whack. You know, he's kind of going through, remember a couple years ago, the Twins got Lance Lynn, who's now been brilliant for the Texas Rangers. But uh, Lance Lynn signed in the middle of March when he signed with the Twins, and he never really got caught up. He started late, and, well, this year everybody's starting late, right? And Barrios might be going through a little bit of what uh, Lance Lynn went through a couple springs ago with the Twins. Maybe he just needs more time on the mound, and maybe that uh, big step forward will come in his next start against Kansas City. Hopefully. As we get towards uh, the end of summer here, Game U is still selling off the uh, rack pretty well. Well, I, I just uh, found out that a couple of the uh, bookstores down here, the Barnes and Nobles, uh, they uh, have sold them out and uh, have reordered. So I guess that's encouraging. I think that uh, people are, are fired up for this Twins team and uh, anything that connects them uh, to the Twins, uh, maybe it's a, a nice diversion from the reality reality that we're all uh, struggling with day-to-day with uh, COVID-19 and some other things. So, yeah, things are going fine on the book front. All right, very good, and I'll tell you where you can get those in just a little bit. Dick, thanks so much for your time. As always, we'll talk to you soon. You got it, Derek. Dick Bramer, the television voice of the Minnesota Twins for the Twins Wrap here brought to you by Jefferson Lines. Thanks so much for being with us. Again, you can buy his book, Game Used, Amazon. You can pick it up uh, in person, Barnes & Noble, and all the other places you get your great books. As you mentioned, Twins in action tonight. They got an opener with uh, Tyler Clippert on the hill for the Minnesota Twins. 6.30 very shortly is the pregame show. We'll be back again coming up on Thursday for Couch Potato Radio 6.15 here on the Mighty 790 KFGO.